All right, we're back. <laughs> this is the the last the last bastion of freeform podcasting. Um, we're gonna be just taking it loose. I have some notes, but I have not shared them with anyone. So uh, we'll just sort of see how this goes. I have three facts written down that to written reference. down or are they on your phone they're written down on my phone and i screenshotted them so i could see it without being online okay and what are they well i mean they'll come up in conversation well let's we're in conversation <laughs> right now what's uh what do you, <laughs> well, what do you they're have just, they're just a couple things like, about i don't like you keeping secrets from me well you didn't share any of your notes with me so no it's literally just three things about about the band we're discussing today just some interesting tidbits and and what are these things oh my god um that the album uh the album we're listening to this week is oh my heart by mother mother is that that one of the facts (laughs) (laughs) i just some people need introduction to things before you just start talking about them like there's got to be a reason why i'm talking about mother mother and it is that we are talking about this album today right so i thought this was some weird tiktok bullshit um which it sort of is but well, it actually long predates tiktok yeah it's this album was released in 2008 by the band mother mother they are a canadian band from quadra island british columbia um and the i just wanted to list the members just because we'll probably end up talking about different instrument things so okay so on this album ryan goldmond is the guitarist and vocalist molly goldmond who uh they are siblings does vocals and keyboards, as does Deborah Jean Creelman, or Deborah Jean, I guess, Creelman. Um, and then Ali Sadat is the drummer, and Jeremy Page is the bassist, clarinetist, bass clarinetist, tenor sax player, and does backing vocals. Okay. Have, is that Were those your facts, or do you have Those more? were my facts. Okay. Those, I, that was I exactly I three facts, as promised. I delivered. I don't have much to go on um, other than that. So I I know these songs from you playing or you going through TikTok and me hearing them or I know a few of the songs from that but yeah well um, I mean the songs I think it's been like Hayloft and your Ar- in your arms tonight which one is that um, is that the the one with the strings no um that's body body is the one yeah with the I remember that one from from uh, overhearing it somewhere. Yeah, well, I mean, um, those songs in particular became trends on TikTok. There's also a trend on TikTok where it's a bunch of different Mother Mother songs from this album and Touch Up. Um, but no, they're a, they're a popular band who I actually saw in concert two years ago. Um, and didn't... Before they were cool? Well, I mean, no, they've been cool for a while. Before they I were just... on TikTok? Be- yeah, before I like had actually properly listened to their music. Like I knew a couple songs, but nothing, nothing big. Yeah, so where were you in 2008? I was in grade... uh, No, I guess I was in grade 7 and grade 8. Yeah, I would have been 15. Because I was... God, how old was I? Well, if you were 15, I guess I was 13. Yeah, a trick is to subtract the the year you were born from the year 2008. Um, That's... This is like two four-digit numbers subtracted from each other. Absolutely not. The, uh, yeah, I was I was definitely spending most of my time scowling at that point. I don't know if I had become a gamer yet. Uh, 
Yeah, I think I listened to, I actually was listening to a lot of Chuck Berry at that particular time in my life. Both his own songs and covers of those songs by various (laughs) artists. I was, if I was in grade seven and eight, I was finishing middle school. Most of what I listened to at the time was probably the band Rush because I think Oh no, um, my memory is not very good sometimes. Um, I think that was 2008, I saw Rush Live. So uh, that was basically all I was listening to because my uh, taste of music was largely informed by what my parents listened to. Okay, so what else What else do we have to say about this album? We have to keep it moving. Well, I mean, I don't know. I really like it. What did you think about yeah, it? Yeah, it's I've... nice. It's, uh, so it, it ventures occasionally into, I don't know, soyness, softness that uh upsets me but i mean they're they clearly can they're clearly very good musicians so i'd feel bad criticizing them i don't like it when when there's a female vocalist who sings in a really high-pitched voice like a sort of affected high-pitched voice that makes me nervous sleep away is definitely not my favorite of the songs on the album but it has grown on me from the first time that i listened to it um i i think i don't know what were some what were some of the ones you you did like like which tracks did you find yourself liking because like the soyness that you're describing is the the thing that i like about mother mother like i i like that i like the interaction of the type of music they're playing and the lyrics because i do think they have good lyrics they seem like really nice people yeah i i assume they are yeah, so what uh, I'm trying to remember which ones are which because I I just I literally just listened to this. <laughs> Wrecking Ball is not a uh, cover; that is a different song called Wrecking Ball. Yes, that's a really good song. I really really like that song. I don't know. It's just very fun to like imagine yourself like with a baseball bat smashing TVs and listening to that song in the background. They had some some good uh, some good arrangements, some good use of horns at one point. I, f- I can't remember now the song oh, that it was on. That do you remember one, what it sounds like? Uh, there's one that ended with a like a big saxophone chord, like multi saxophones. Um, that oh, I thought, that's, I thought um, sounded very nice. Um, I am a fan of horns being in music because I can play some of those instruments. Unlike, I think that's try to change. I think you're talking about try to change. Because I'm pretty sure it goes into wisdom. Yeah, it transitions into a song that starts with muted trumpet. Yes, that's correct.
what else um i don't know i'll i'll just my my favorites from this album uh i really like burning pile um because i like i don't know i just like the the way their voices layer together i like um the imagery they they invoke i think it's a really craftfully written song lyrics wise um i think it's very good at evoking a very specific feeling of like I don't know, just like an angry feeling that also feels somewhat like apathetic. What else? What are some other things that struck me? So the last song has some bass clarinet in it, which is fun. Uh, that's not a thing you hear much on pop albums. Yeah, Again, and they, another instrument I can play. <laughs> yeah, they use it really well too. Like they they use the bass clarinet as I think the bass clarinet should be used, which is to provide like it actually. I think it has a pair of bass clarinets on it. Yeah, I think in uh, in counterpoint. And what else? Well, uh, there's one song, one one moment that struck me was uh, I can't remember which song it was now, but I think the the lead vocalist uh, was singing, and he was in the middle, and then you could hear the woman who whose name I forget off to either side, um, which is like I don't know. It made for an interesting effect when she she was harmonizing and he was singing. Um, and it was panned that funny way, but. Mm-hmm. panning is obviously there but it's never something that i think about well i mean it's only something i notice when i start to hear things moving around yeah that freaks me out a little bit and i pay attention to it but um i don't know i think i think ghosting is one of the most popular songs on the album i would say like it's it's really gorgeous like 
like it's a it's a really nice sad love song and that's really hard to do like writing a sad love song is not an easy thing you know i guess i don't know (laughs) i don't know so i don't know i I don't know how much this will come up over the course of us potting this out but uh, i don't know i'm not a fan of love songs particularly so i i really (laughs) can't say i'm not a fan of songs with emotions in them things of that nature yeah that's why i'm here so uh yeah anything else you want to say about this i don't know go go listen to it it's really good go go listen to it it's really good i like music that has many many layers to it and um i like good harmony and like the way that their voices fit together is just really satisfying like it's the the harmonies they use are really pleasing to listen to i don't know i just i just really like it it's really good it is yeah um okay are you ever gonna listen to it again maybe it's hard to say i I really don't know what the future holds that's true um so what have we what else have we got well you're the one with the notes that you didn't share with me so that that, that's true so you know what we need to talk about is um so there's a news peg here and it's one that's a little bit stale so we had to talk about it today or else it would kind of expire before i guess before the the pod got started we've already had our first beef with uh an online figure of note. <laughs> we, um, <laughs> we, we, excuse me. So our um, <laughs> what are you laughing about? Don't laugh at me. <laughs> you like copy and paste, like you saved the screenshots into a Word document. Yeah, so I could access them off my phone. <clears throat> so um, our news inclined listeners may have heard something about some uh some stuff going on in israel palestine at the moment i think they've negotiated some sort of kind of mickey mouse ceasefire kind of thing so the violence has kind of slowed down a little bit uh but it's it's still not good um the latest news is that uh my understanding is uh the the other parties have formed a coalition to get Netanyahu out of power and start a start a new government, which probably isn't going to be better. These guys are, if anything, even more crazy. But uh, it'll be different, at any rate. So that that was in the news lately, and of course, people online have opinions about it. One such person is uh, Mahan Esfahani. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Mahan Esfahani. I I wouldn't know. Yeah, he's he's a he's a pussy. So we don't have to pronounce his name right because what's oh, he gonna do? No, you should still pronounce his name right. I would like to go on record saying you should always pronounce people's names properly if you know how to pronounce them. He's a he's a harpsichordist. I guess you don't. You probably don't really know who he is, right? No, I have no idea who this guy is. Fuck the harpsichord. He's a he's a harpsichordist. He uh. He plays a lot of a lot of 18th century music, as you might imagine. He also does some uh, some new music that's written for harpsichord. Does he do pop covers? No. He should. No. He then plays, I would know who he, he is. He plays Rameau and things of that yes. nature. I have I have a lot of his recordings. He's a very good player. I I never gonna shit talk his playing. And I think I I heard or I saw an interview with him somewhere years and years ago, and I I kind of liked the cut of his jib, so I. Uh, I followed him and I, or I I started listening to his music and I followed him on Twitter, and he's uh, he's a typical typical kind of so he's he's not British but he's British adjacent, 
So he's a typical so kind like of Scottish? British guy. No, he's like, what um, do you mean? I don't think he lives in England, but I think he was either born or uh, educated there or lived there for a period. Oh, he's okay. still associated with a lot of English things. Uh, I think he does BBC documentaries and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. um, he's t- a typical kind of British guy who sort of like affects a, a sort of mainstream liberal kind of opinion or uh, pr- presentation. But then on any specific issue, when, when he opines, he he says something incredibly reactionary and offensive and uh, seems to ha- have actual like substantive opinions that are really indistinguishable from hardcore right-wingers, but that he sees them as kind of gauche or something like that. I This is not really a type that we have here or in the States. I think it's more of a British thing. Another one, I don't know if you've ever seen that guy, Ian Pace. He's, uh, I might have shown him to you a couple of times. A fun thing with him is anytime he's acting up on the timeline, which he hasn't been lately because I think he's now the dean of something, so he has to stop doing that. But when he is, you just ask him if he can introduce you to Richie Blackmore, and he'll uh, he'll usually stop at that point. <laughs> um, I was thinking of Lee Pace, but you said uh, Ian Pace, who, so I don't know. I don't know who Lee Pace is. Lee Pace is. is an actor, I think. No, Ian Pace is a... Uh, a pianist and uh, musicologist in uh, in England. Oh, yeah, well, not not the not the drummer for Deep Purple, but he. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so I haven't even said what the the what, beef what the beef is about. Show so, us the beef. So, um, unfortunately, I never got a screenshot of this, so I can't tell you the exact wording. This was about a week and a half ago when when uh, when uh, hostilities had first broken out. Let's say. Um, he said something to the effect of imagine how many orchestras opera companies or universities there would be in a plo or hamas led state something something like that like I, implying I, that there wouldn't be many yeah well yeah. It, it just just you know these these people are barbarians uh you know it's etc he didn't say that that was that was the implication i try i will say i try not to start shit on twitter mostly now i just tweet about like how much I go to the bathroom and things like that. <laughs> but I saw that and I did I really didn't like it given the given the context. If it was any other time it would be like whatever. But I mean I feel like that's a really it's a nasty thing to be saying at any time, but it, it's a really nasty thing to be saying when people are dying by the dozens. I feel like that's that's really not appropriate. So I just I just responded uh it's hard to support an orchestra or opera company when you're being bombed into the stone age. And uh, shortly after that, he immediately deleted the tweet, which I thought was an interesting thing to do. And then he jumped into my DMs. So I should say, this is a guy, I was going to say he must have won a Grammy award, but I, he hasn't won a Grammy award. But he's the kind of guy that you would think he had. Like, he's he's <laughs> he's a very prominent musician. He's as as famous as you can get playing the harpsichord. He's that famous, yeah, basically. sure. And I am nobody, like... I, I even you probably don't know who I am because I haven't said my name yet, and that's because he refused to. It's really weird for him to do that online, but that, this is sort of one of the wonders of of online. So I don't know if I need to read this whole conversation. He just jumped into my DMs, and after the first uh, volley of 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 words, he said, um, "This was the thing that really stuck out stuck out at me." He said. 
Arabs have had bloodlust against Persians for 1500 years, and now they have it against Jews. Now, I should say, Mahan Esfahani is Iranian. Um, I think his parents maybe live there. I'm not sure, but I think they do. He was born there. So he, he has he has opinions about Iran. I'm not going to tell him what's what, even if I think he's wrong or whatever. Like, that stuff is personal for him. I don't have a stake in that, so whatever. But so <laughs> apparently I, I'm thinking about this in terms of like geopolitics and imperialism and stuff like that. He's thinking about it in terms of uh, who has bloodlust against whom, presumably because of their, their racial nature, maybe something about their their skull shape or something <laughs> like that. Uh, like that's a really psychotic way to think about any sort of political or it's, social issue. It's It's just like a really, it's just awful it's just an awful way to think about it well because the 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 logic there if someone if someone has bloodlust if they just have this inexplicable desire to see the other person brought low then there's there's no logical conclusion other than they need to be exterminated like not saying that's what he thinks but it's like if you extrapolate the logic there that's what that leads to and like that's that's not it's not a sensible way to think about uh, a serious conflict, um, especially when people are dying, and and that demands people in the West or in the in the core or whatever we want to call it, sort of examine our consciences at the very least and see where we stand. That's well, not how I would prefer my intellectuals respond to that situation. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's it it sounds like a, a bloodlust, like saying that some real person has bloodlust, just sounds like propaganda to yeah, me it's, it's some, it's some like it doesn't sound like something that a, a real person would just come up with on their own it sounds it sounds like something they've been told it's a, it's some old testament <laughs> shit and I, yeah. I don't really know what 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 persians have to do with any of this because this is this is the israel-palestine conflict which like i mean the the sort of proximate cause there is is the the establishment of a of a state in israel by people who didn't necessarily already live there over the objections of the people who did already live there mm-hmm. in 1948 like I, anyway so um yeah so he said uh something about arabs and palestinians have had dreadful ogres for leaders who just use this issue to raise money and then use it to lob missiles well like looking at looking at straight up facts um th- like it, israel has launched a far 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 worse attack on palestine than they have retaliated with secondly you really shouldn't call people ogres i mean i i think i think the thing that's funny about that is like that's that's a very i don't know it's it's like someone who wants to sound like uh like a fancy british guy it's it's that's not how you that's not how you would talk if you actually felt strongly about this i don't think but yeah anyway so i told him i wasn't going to debate the historical merits of various races look at the look at the casualty numbers look at all this stuff and like it's it's pretty clear what's happening here everyone in the world seems to be on the same page about this but uh so if he if he's not i don't know what to tell him and then he responded with i think you should read history a bit more which is is very funny because these people so these people all think that they're the only ones who've ever read a book before well and, and it's it's especially funny because like he doesn't know you obviously but you've also read more than any other person that i've ever met he he's uh so 
the thing is, if you're a musical perform, if you're a classical musician at a high level, you are not a well-read person. It's not possible. It's not possible to do that and also be a well-read person. So, I mean, he's probably better read than most musicians, but like you, it's not, it's a very superficial thing. It's a, it's a, you know, I, I know how to drop a few references. I know the major works of various major writers. Even if I haven't read them, I can talk a little bit about them. So you do that and then you get this sort of misleading idea that you know more than anybody else and he doesn't. Anyway, so the the reason that I'm the reason I'm bringing this up is because when he deleted the tweet, which he did right away, right before I think even contacting me, that's kind of like blood in the water and I sort of sensed sensed there was something up that there was something not quite right with 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 him. He wasn't quite feeling right about this. So I I kept prodding at it. I just told him that I wish uh yeah, I wish he had the courage to say in public that he was okay with all this violence rather than just saying it to me, just nobody in particular in the DMs. And I said, I wonder, I wonder what his, uh, what the broader world would think about his opinions on Arab bloodlust. And then he responded with, it's unfortunate that in spite of some academic studies, you are epistemologically a bit lacking to the extent that these are the conclusions you draw. So a lot to unpack there. First of all, <laughs> In spite of some academic studies, that means he's been going through my timeline and looking up, trying to trying to figure out stuff that about me and trying to figure out what kind of guy I am. And well, and he would have to look through that also because, like, isn't your Twitter bio just something stupid right now? Or uh, does it say that you've? I think my Twitter bio right now says that I am the Elvis of smoking weed. <laughs> so yeah, he definitely would have gone through my timeline, which means he would have seen a bunch of tweets about how much blood there is in my shit and stuff like that. <laughs> Uh, that's the that's the stuff that I'm hoping he saw, but yeah. So some academic studies, which is funny. I think he went to Columbia, and and the Columbia University isn't what it used to be. I'll or, just leave it at that. Or like, if he like, do you think maybe he Googled you or something? The, I mean, if you Google me, I don't come up. There's like a boat salesman in Florida or something <laughs> who has the same name as me who comes oh. up. Uh, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. And then, okay, so the phrase epistemologically a bit lacking. So you want to call someone stupid, but you want to say it fancy like <laughs> epistemologically lacking is such a good phrase. And it takes a really specific kind of mind to generate that. I could never come up with that in my life. Yeah, I don't want to I don't want to get too uh, I don't want to get too in the weeds with the play by play here. But I, I just responded with I think you're trying to weasel out of your initial position now that someone has called you on it. And that if deep down you stood by your remarks, you wouldn't have deleted them. And I said, you don't have a monopoly on knowing about history. So he responded, I think you should watch your tone. Don't forget, you did describe yourself as a nobody. I don't need some cliche of North American academia telling me what I do and don't need to do. So we've gone from in, in the space of, I think I was at it with him for like two hours. Not a long exchange, but with maybe 10 minutes in between each message. Uh, he said uh, he he went from Arab bloodlust to watch your tone. Do you know who I am? <laughs> Basically, um, and then the thing about cliche of North American academia because he's he's imagining that I'm some sort of like campus SJW type, which uh, I don't think I am. I don't know. I didn't meet a lot of people like me in North American academia, unfortunately. I don't. I don't think I'm a cliche. What I, what is a cliche is a sort of British or British adjacent person who's uh, who who is what they call progressive except for Palestine, who like 
tries to, basically says all the right stuff but then as soon as you mention palestine they just turn into just just i don't know like a slavering freak they just want they just want to see blood like it's it's cra- it's this crazy thing but in britain especially it's a very common phenomenon of uh people who feel very inexplicably strongly about the israel palestine issue and about how evil the palestinians are and how violence against them is okay basically Mm -hmm. so anyway at this point it's been about two hours and i said i'm not the one who has spent nearly two hours privately defending his honor to somebody named weed elvis (laughs) somebody's conscience is prickling um at that point he didn't respond and he hasn't responded he mostly hasn't tweeted about this since then um he tweeted something about how people who unfairly single out israel are also the people who uh, support the regime in Tehran. I don't think he was referring to me there, but, uh, well, but I don't think a lot of people who don't support Israel are singling them out. I think they're like pointing to them in a long line of colonial violence and saying, "Here's here's the here's the one that's happening right now," and they op- open for all of us to see it. Well, that's that. No, I mean this is a classic line: is you're you're unfairly singling. Excuse me, you're unfairly singling out Israel. And that makes it anti-Semitism because Israel is an explicitly Jewish state. And the thing there is that there really is nothing like Israel. The best way to think of Israel, I think, is it's basically like an American moon colony, basically, mm-hmm. without a constant. It, it's 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 a settler colonial state uh, with this large but extremely extremely oppressed population, and that's a contradiction that basically cannot hold without a whole bunch of energy coming in from the outside. And it does in the form of billions of dollars coming from the States, all sorts of favors coming from all the other core countries. Canada, of course, is very much wrapped up in this. And so it's basically that which enables not Israel to exist, but Israel to exist in the form that it does right now and to resist the pressures that otherwise would force it to not behave the way it does. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's no other country, the The only country, the only other country that is anything like that is Saudi Arabia, which most people who criticize Israel also criticize Saudi Arabia for a lot of the same reasons mm-hmm. in, in pretty harsh terms. So it's not, I mean, it, in a sense, it's singling out, but it's singling out something because it's a unique phenomenon, because whatever violence happens elsewhere in the world, I don't personally, it doesn't necessarily happen on my behalf, the violence against Gaza happens on my behalf mm-hmm. because the government that I didn't vote for but I, I'm in a representative democracy where that government came into power supports this uh, provides material support without which this stuff couldn't happen so yeah I mean like the the Israel-Palestine conflict is a is a big one to look at because I think um, I mean I think part of it is that now that we are so intricately connected to the rest of the world and like news going on there we actually are enabled to see the impact that our foreign policy decisions have on other real people and it like it brings into focus kind of like the the fact that we are a colonial power and everyone thinks of us as this like nice friendly nation but like we do some horrific stuff and like seeing that and feeling like yeah that is happening on my behalf um because we give them weapons and we give them tanks and stuff or whatever like 
it's jarring and it's it makes you actually consider the rest of the world as a place where people exist which um, is a new phenomenon to to many people I think yeah so someone like Mahan Esfahani I mean he's an international guy uh, he he uh, was born in Tehran I think he lived in Britain he was educated in the states and now from what I gather he lives in Prague or somewhere like that some some European place um, so he he likes to think of himself as someone with a, with an international perspective but the thing is he seems to have a really parochial perspective on this stuff he sees he sees violence happening in just just indescribable completely indefensible violence happening against largely innocent people and the first thing he thinks about is the 1500 years of arab bloodlust against persians which it's like what does that have to do with anything that it, it, it's it's not clear like it, whatever he's bringing to this is just some weird personal hang-up that doesn't have much to do with it and the thing is a real international perspective would be really analyzing the way these countries are interlinked because the struggle in israel is related to what happens in the states it's related to what happens in canada it's related to what happens in elsewhere in the middle east it's like it's it's not an isolated thing and then also looking at it from the local perspective of how how does our specific position uh impact this and what can we do about it mm-hmm. which i don't know in our case that's not much i gave a little money to one of those organizations that's about it there's there's not uh i guess i have a little a very little bit of pull with people that sort of the 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 thinking classes here so i can i can propagandize a little bit um but even then i, I that's that's really all i can do uh well, yeah, and I mean, like, the largely the calls on social media that I've seen have not been to, like, donate necessarily, but it's been more to, like, raise uh, awareness about what's happening and also support BDS is, like, something that a lot of um, Palestinians are really calling for because that kind of big organized political pressure can do something. Yeah. So, anyway, I don't think that... Um... I don't think any of this, I don't think this is hugely consequential, this beef we're describing, but I do think the biggest, the biggest thing you can do if you're someone like me, who is not close to anything important and who just kind of goes about life, is to stop falling for the bullshit (laughs) to, uh, when, when someone, and when someone says something that is horrific to say, you know, that's horrific. That's really all, all anybody can do. So I don't know. I don't know if we really need to talk more about that, but I guess just to to top it off, uh, fuck Mahan Esfahani, uh, fuck the Harps Accord. <laughs> yeah, that's about it. Um, yeah. I think fuck Zionism is maybe our official yeah, position here. Certainly yeah, certainly our official fuck Zionism. Uh, yeah. So I think that's that. Um, so uh, I have here on the list my rock and roll odyssey now this can be our rock and roll odysseys because i'm sure uh you have things to say as well yeah i guess the thing is so i i guess it would help if we sort of contextualize where we come from in sort in in terms of musical taste sure yeah so why don't you start because i've been talking a lot yeah sure i mean um my like i said before my musical taste was like what every kid's musical taste is essentially which is what the people around you listen to um so like i've always listened to like classic rock and prog rock um and then when i was little i also spent a lot of time with one of my friends who had um uh, older twin siblings who were i think probably like six or so years older than us 
Um, so I also really liked stuff like Shania Twain and the Spice Girls and, um, I don't know, Hilary Duff was a big one when I was a kid. Um, but my, and then, and then after a while I, um, started falling into the trap of like, uh, pop music is shallow and inconsequential and like rock is forever and they play real instruments and and all that kind of thing so I stopped listening to pop music for a long time and then just listened to classic rock for a while as well I listened to I really fixated on Rush for like two years I would buy their albums every time we went to to HMV which is now closed CD store Um, and I was trying to collect all of them but like stuff like Fly By Night was really hard to find I don't think I ever found it um and I was completely obsessed with them as a band. And so I also listened to like, I listened to Yes. I really liked the Guess Who. Uh, I like the Tragically Hip a lot because um, like their greatest hits are great. But I got into their album, We Are All The Same from like <laughs> 20, I don't know, it was from like 2012 or something. It was like a late career album that I really particularly liked. Um, I'm just kind of rambling now. And then Lady Gaga's Born This Way album came out and I listened to a lot of pop music now because that album changed my life. But like, like we both went to school for classical music, but before getting to university, I didn't listen to a lot of classical music. I just really liked band and I was going to be a band teacher and then that all changed. Yeah. So, and in my case, um, so the typical thing you're supposed to do as a musically inclined teenager is you're supposed to find your own music and sort of really dig into it and find new stuff that you've never heard of before and develop your taste that way um and i mostly i mostly did that with classical music a bit with jazz i mostly didn't do that with pop music as a teenager so probably my most fruit musically fruitful year was my first year of university when i listened to just an absolute assload of classical music instead of speaking to people or I don't know, doing anything else really. Before that, I listened to a handful of jazz albums and a handful of classical or a handful of rock albums. My two big bands were Queen and Rush. And they were like the 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 model was wasn't that you listen to a couple you, you listen a couple of times to many many different things, but it was more you listen to a handful of things over and over and over and over again and learn every detail of them and learn everything there is to know about them about those couple of those couple of cds um and and so that's that's what i did uh before that i listened to just whatever i knew from my parents i never listened to the radio so it's like actual pop music from the time i was old enough to listen to it i don't know any of that stuff so i'm i'm having to fill in the blanks after the fact yeah uh, one thing I did forget to mention about my musical journey is quite embarrassing. Um, but because my uh, dad was really, really religious, I ended up uh, being very church heavy until I kind of figured out my, my own method of thinking and my own way of seeing the world. So like a lot of my teenager music that I listened to was Christian rock and oh, Christian yeah. rap um, because I also danced Kanye with it. West. No. <laughs> No, it was too early for that, that Kanye. What um, name a, a Christian rapper? Um, da Truth. Da Truth. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I know Reliant K because I know a lot of people like Reliant K and don't realize that they're a Christian band. Oh, yes. Really? Yeah, um, I don't. Reliant I, K rules. Um, I really liked Thousand Foot Crutch 
um they were pretty good they were like hard rock um you know um, hard rock hard rock makes me think of like acdc is that the kind of music it was no do you want to pull some up Let, well, hold on let's sure, play sure, let's sure, play yeah. some let's play Go some tfk YouTube. for the people what's the what's the name of this um, band so they're called thousand foot crutch with a k yes with a k that's stupid that's not how you spell that yeah i know i know that <laughs> um but yeah i like there was this um oh what was it there was like some christian music festival at the forks one year that um i went to with my youth group and they were like the headlining band and we were so excited because we thought they were so cool okay i have to say i i never i never listened to christian uh christian rock or christian rap or anything like again my memory is weird so it's oh yeah okay we have to listen to rock fist and that's how it's spelled it's rock fist that's one of their songs that's like the most lit you have to realize one thing about me is that my memory is such that i have blocked a lot of things and like i don't remember a lot of details of stuff from my teenager years or my childhood so we're listening to a thousand foot crutch with a K rock fist R A W K fist. Throw up your rock fist if you're feeling it when I drop this. Oh Jesus, this is embarrassing. <laughs> no, it's so good. This is like this is like Christian Limp Biscuit or something. No, it's like um, it's like Bad the Ramones. The, Ra- the Ramones do not sound like this. Oh my lord. So now imagine in the forks, in the outdoor stage, like the big sound stage that they do like the pride shows on. Yeah. Um, Thousand Foot Crutch is playing and like a thousand Christian like 13 to 16 year olds are just losing their marbles well, this, is, this is the heaviest music they're allowed to listen to it, right yes i want yes. i know there are there are like christian death metal bands i think they call themselves life metal or maybe white metal uh but uh oh are you gonna you can't play another one no i'm gonna play you christian rap oh, oh yeah lecrae what does what does what okay so in the truth what does t-r-u-t-h stand for oh I don't remember. We, I did, we have to, I we have did, to look this I up. I did used to know that, but okay. I don't remember. The truth. This is important because you know KRS-One, right? You know what that stands for? No. Oh. You want to take a guess? No. Okay. I was trying to make a joke about KMS, but... No, it's uh, knowledge reigns supreme over <laughs> nearly everyone. <laughs> Uh, it doesn't say on his Wikipedia page. What the fuck? I feel like I used to know, but I don't, I don't know. That's really Anyway, so yeah, there's like, there's like the truth. There's Lecrae, there's Flame. They're like the big Christian rappers that I remember. Cause I. Ah, yeah. Take a stand for Christ. So I used to crump to this. Like we we used to do like hip hop to this kind of music that is like it's just it's just just wait hold on wait 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 you have to the next part. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
See, there's there's not a lot of ways in which I'm cooler than you. <laughs> but uh, this is actually probably the only one. Yeah, so, is that I have this embarrassing fondness residually for the goofiest Christian music. Yeah, so how did we get on this? We um, were talking about our, our rock and roll odysseys, our respective rock and roll odysseys. So yeah. the most embarrassing thing for me, so in my early high school years, I was listening to a lot of early rock and roll because my dad was in a band that I was the roadie for, just like a shitty cover band that would play like... Uh, I mean a variety of things, but they did play a lot of like, uh, what were they like, like rock and roll music or rollover Beethoven or things like that. <laughs> uh, so I learned a, a lot of that music, and I, I I liked it a lot. It's I mean I still like it, but I, I've listened more broadly now. Um, it took me. This is an embarrassing fact about me. It took me a long time to get to the point where I was comfortable listening to music by people with long hair. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you little bitch and before that before that before i was in high school my favorite musical artist and this is very embarrassing is was probably weird al yankovic who i still who i still like a lot but obviously it's music for children uh that's barney shit right there uh no oh oh, the the music on barney is so much lower caliber than weird Al. we're not going to listen to anything by barney but uh, i will quit the podcast if you play barney so i've been i've been uh, trying to correct my ignorance of popular music because I really know very little music post like 1985 or so. So I've been trying to correct that by going through and listening to a whole bunch of albums by this and that artist. And uh, it's been an eye-opening experience learning that a lot of the music that I thought was good actually is really not that good. <laughs> like... um I don't know. Cream was an example. Uh, I don't know how much Cream you know. I know like one song. I only know Sunshine of Your Love, really. Yeah, so I listened to that album. It's really not that impressive. Um, or uh, Black Sabbath is an atrocious band. <laughs> uh, I can see how I can see how if you heard it for the first time in 1970 and all you'd ever heard before that was like some kind of like jingle jangly bullshit that it would blow your mind to hear uh something like this oh yeah This is the longest intro. Holy it is. Shit. Oh yeah, I thought like, it was. I thought fuck? it was going to start with the riff. Jesus Christ. So I don't think really heavy riff-based music like this had even existed yet by that point. But I mean, so I see how this would blow your mind. But I mean, listening to it now, it's like. I think a big part of like Black Sabbath and Ozzy Osbourne and part of why Kiss was such a big deal and Alice Cooper was because they're theatrical performers. They are, but like, I mean, it's also do... theatrical music. Like, like yeah, that so th- that riff is it rocks. I mean, there's a reason that's the first thing everybody learns to play on the guitar. Like, it just it's it just really goes. Well, yeah, and like I mean, I'm sure it's also not that hard to play, which probably helps with beginning yeah. guitars too but like like i mean and the same thing with like smoke on the water 
Um, yeah, is but, that like that's a that's a song that that rocks? But I mean, this is this is I mean, it's badly mixed. It's weirdly quiet, uh, and it just it, the tempo is just like a notch too slow in a way that completely ruins the song, in my opinion. And so listening to that, listening to that whole album, what you hear really is just like a prog rock band like Rush, because I think Ozzy Osbourne as a singer actually has a lot in common with Geddy Lee. Uh, except they can't play their instruments, <laughs> so uh, so yeah, that was that was a discovery. I um, what else? The Rolling Stones are a bullshit band. It's amazing <laughs> to me that the Rolling Stones are thought of as like equals of the Beatles or like up at that level because they're really bad. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't particularly like the Rolling Stones. My mom, um, aside from instilling like a uh a love of like because rush is one of those bands where you either really like them or you really don't so like instilling a love of that kind of music like rush in kansas and yes um she also instilled a burning hatred of other certain bands in my mind so the rolling stones was one of them you didn't like the rolling stones um meatloaf she hates (laughs) meatloaf she absolutely hates meatloaf and like um like that kind of thing so it's like i i not only got the things she likes i also had a huge uh i also really didn't like meatloaf up until a few years ago when you would make me listen to bad out of hell all the time yeah so oh i guess the other thing is the beatles so i've never been a huge fan of the beatles the stuff by them that i liked the most was the the least beatlesy sounding stuff so like their their chuck berry covers and like all that kind of stuff um and I, but I also hadn't listened to a lot of their music. Like, I, I hadn't properly explored it or whatever. So I, I listened to uh, several Beatles albums. And I, I, I mean, it's well, it's obviously very well-made music. They're obviously very skilled musicians. But it's some of it is such bullshit, especially the White Album. There's so much bad stuff on there that it really almost outweighs the good stuff. Well, I, I never really listened to full Beatles albums. I didn't listen to full albums for a lot of artists. Like, that was mostly, like, Pink Floyd, Rush, Queen were people who I would listen front to back. But, like, the Beatles or um, any other bands I liked, I would just throw their music on a playlist. So, I really liked the Beatles for a lot of high school. I I really liked a lot of their songs and now have come to realize that actually it's not that good. And I don't like it that much. Um, so it's kind of like some some of it is some of it is good. It, like come together is a song that fucking slaps. That song rules so hard. Um, Octopus's Garden, oh. however, is complete. But, bullshit. So Octopus's Garden is a good example. So I played that at the dinner table about two weeks ago. It was longer. Than, it was longer oh, than two okay. weeks ago. Well, it feels it has like two to be weeks. Like a month and a half ago. Okay, I played it at the dinner table, and our, uh, Maddie, our, our our housemate, got so mad. Uh, <laughs> he really. T- <laughs> But the thing about that song is actually I think the guitar playing in it is really good. I think it's a very good guitar sound. It's a it's a nice lick. Uh it's it's well put together even though it's an incredibly stupid song. It's so, one of their their famous songs about uh, their favorite topic being underwater. Yeah, so that that's that's um sort of the Beatles in a nutshell. I would say that's sort of the most Beatlesy Beatles song is <laughs> Octopus's Garden because it sort of sums up what's good and bad about them. I, that's probably my hottest take about the Beatles. I guess the other one is that John Lennon is vastly overrated as a musician. Um, I, I I don't really have a lot of respect for him. But, yeah. Uh, but anyway, Octopus's Garden. So speaking of Octopus's Garden, um, 
we made a discovery. It's this was also something we discovered a fairly long time ago, but we have to share it with the world because this is just unbelievable. I think we were talking about octopus's garden. That was that must have been how this came up, right? Probably, yeah. We were all sitting around and like I was getting stoned and fucking dirt was doing something in the kitchen and we were talking about the Beatles and then he first brought up the Ringo Starr MS Paint website where he makes oh, he God. posts all the art he makes in MS Paint. Oh yeah, Ringo. Oh. <laughs> oh Ringo. So Ringo Starr is probably my favorite Ringo, Beatle because he's unbelievably Beatles. funny. Uh he so yeah i mean we were i think we no were... it was it was when fucking the rapping beatles got released oh that's yeah why okay. this whole oh my thing lord happened. oh my lord that's why this whole thing so happened. if you haven't listened to it you have to go go to youtube and search for yo by the rapping beatles uh it's from a podcast called episode one and i i, <laughs> I don't really know how to describe it it's you just, just something have to you have to listen to it, to it. but we, so we were talking about the beatles as a result of this and it's fun to do the Ringo voice and make fun of Ringo because Ringo is just inherently funny. And one time while I was at, at, at work, um, right now I'm working from home, so not a whole lot of work gets done during the workday. Uh, I was uh, just sort of idly Googling and I found out Ringo Starr's most recent solo album was in the fall of, I think, 2019. So we're back now. Uh, it's the next day, and we are sober. No, S- I'm sober now. <laughs> um, we we uh, had an audio mishap where our audio cut off right before we were talk- going to talk about Ringo. So we had to come back. Yeah, we can't talk miss about talking it, about Ringo, our favorite person, our favorite person in the whole uh, world. Maybe one of the finest musicians of all time. <laughs> certainly the finest person of all time. Absolutely the exemplary of artistic production on all fronts. Like we said, so Ringo's most recent solo album came out in, I think, the fall of 2019. So right uh, when coronavirus overseas was starting to become a big thing. That's how that's how recent this album is. Um, and you really have to hear it to believe it. The album is called What's My Name, and this is the opening track on it. It's called Gotta Get Up to Get Down, and we're going to try our best to provide some descriptive audio for this uh, remarkable video associated with this song. It's on his official Vivo account on YouTube if you would like to go watch it, though I don't recommend you do. Yeah. It makes me feel like I have brain rot. So what would you say is happening here? So right now there's like a a black star logo and then videos of Ringo doing different poses are being wiped on and off of the screen. So like there's peace sign, there's him doing like a prayer bow thing. Yeah. And um, uh, over each of these videos in a white font it says Ringo. Oh yeah, it does. Yeah, there he's clapping in that one. In this one, he's doing a double peace sign. And this is happening. This is the second time we've cycled through this little video repeat. Yeah, it, so it's on a loop through the whole song. Also, it says the name of the song over the star toward, uh, behind him. 
which uh, is a little hard to see. It's a little blurry, but uh, yeah. What do you think of this music? I mean, it's so groovy. I still think that he looks like Bono a little bit. Yeah, I can Just the see glasses. The clap is always on time with the actual beat, which shows more That's attention no, to detail no. than I would have initially that, thought. We just missed maybe one of the best lines in this song, so I think we need to go back okay. a little bit. So this is, I think, Joe Walsh doing a guest spot. Everybody's on the internet. What's up with this that? Is, no, this is literally um, one of those CBC public broadcasting commercials that are like, you know, the one with the talking TV? I have no idea what you're Do you you're know what you're... About. Oh, my God. This is some deep brain rot Canadian cultural detritus that it is, but it's about. like it's something people would know. I almost want to make you watch it, but I'll make you watch it later. But like it's this TV being like, oh, I'm not so cool. You should go outside and hang out with your friends and run around and stuff. Fuck that. I want to watch CBC. <laughs> <laughs> I so, want to watch This Hour Has 22 Minutes. <laughs> so this song, as far as I can tell, is about why you shouldn't be on Facebook and instead should be out making it with ladies or something to that effect i have not been listening to the words i don't know They're, they don't like facebook is what i gather probably because there's keyboard warriors on there who tell ringo that his music's no good yeah that's what keyboard warriors do did we did the part cut off where we talk about how it's the different kinds of old rock guys there are because, like, there's three different kinds of old rock guys. Like what? Which is, like, there's the Getty Lee version or, like, the Rush version where they just continue making consistently good music until the band stops performing. And then there's, like, the Guess Who where your old rock guy is, like, someone who was not in the original lineup of the band that made them famous. So now they're basically a cover band, but still because it's been passed down person by person, it's still technically the real guess who right and they play in the same venues as cover bands yeah um and then there's like ringo where you split off from the band but instead of fading into quiet obscurity you continue making music but without the other people there to temper your taste levels yeah well I and think then the, this happens the other thing i don't know how rich ringo star is but he's got to be pretty rich um, and also he he was one of the few people who can say they were a member of the Beatles. And so his his personal experience doesn't resemble that of almost anyone else anyone else on earth. So like what is I, this music it seems like it was made by an algorithm. I really don't understand. Well, yeah, like who, who wrote the lyrics to I, this? I, I, he must have. It's got to be him. But I mean, I, if he can make his own MS Paint drawings, I guess he can write his own Facebook lyrics. But like, yeah. So how do celebrities even use Facebook? Yeah, no. I mean, presumably <laughs> he pays someone to do that. I don't. I don't know. Um, so this next song, uh, I don't want to play very much of it. I just wanted to listen to the opening because it sounded a lot like a certain Queen song we all know and love. And this is the same video, except instead of gotta get up to get down, it says magic. He just did, he did You're My Best Friend. Like, he just did that's the, the same, song. That's the same song. It's as, the same song. As this. 
only that's a much more concise song and the the electric piano makes I, it a more interesting sound. Yeah, and also I would much rather we were just doing a segment where we listened to parts of Al- Queen song. Also, they wrote that song like 50 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so that that's a song called Magic. Here's one called Money, uh, unrelated to the Pink Floyd Money song. This is I would characterize this as his new wave, new wave Ringo. Go uh, around. Sorry. I don't. By the time New Wave came out, I don't think any of the Beatles were doing anything of note. John Lennon was dead shortly after that. Uh, yeah, Paul McCartney, I think, had already had the big solo hits that he had. Uh, George Harrison, who the fuck knows? And I don't know, but this is Ringo's. This is New Wave Ringo. Again, same video. This is horrible. This sounds horrible to me right now. Ah, uh, yeah. <sighs> the best things in life are free. This. This is hell. The Beatles should have gotten back together to do a new wave album, actually. This is my own personal hell. I think it's it, it's a nice narrative trajectory, though, because they had the song, You Never Give Me Your Money. <laughs> and yeah, then this no. is a song about you giving him your money. Yeah. Wow, that was really awful. Yeah, so that's... For my ears. So that's uh, Ringo's song, Money. Now, this this is the last is song the most... on the album, and this, is, this has its own video, and it has to be probably one of the most remarkable things I've ever seen or so, heard. We'll we'll watch a little bit, but I have I think there was something that I have noticed about this video. This is like the thesis of the whole album. This is the one that it brings it all together. Yeah. So the album is called "What's My Name," and this is the the title track and the last song on the album, w- which and also stands s- to reason that they think it's the best song on the album. I think I think it probably is the best song on the album. To be yeah. honest, yeah, it's I the mean, most easily listenable. That one. just shows kind of the level that the album is at overall. Now, so what would you say is the answer to the question? What's my name? Um, oh, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you. I have no, no fucking idea. <laughs> okay, so let's, let's watch this. This is, this is just something else. So right now, So we've now, got real Ringo. fast star wipes and we're spelling out Ringo star. And the colors are red, white, and blue. And those are the only What's colors that appear name? in this video. Yeah, we were saying yesterday that there's something about this video that seems a little bit fascist. Well, and like, okay, so the the thing that makes me physically anxious when I watch this video, like the physical uh, symptoms of anxiety begin to present themselves because everything is flying at you yeah, like it's yeah, an it's, IMAX movie that came aggressive. out. It's very aggressive. It's really like an IMAX made movie that What's comes... What's my name? <laughs> That's the money shot right there. You know, do you know what I'm talking about though? Like yeah. where IMAX movies, when they first came out, specifically just threw things at you to show off the effects also okay so every video clip in this video is the same video clip from the other videos they're exactly the same but coming at you and then there's things like harmonicas and guitars and uh drums and stuff neither of which are like well done so it took me forever to figure out what the harmonicas were so this is like in this is like the music What's you'd have to name? listen to in an authoritarian authoritarian dictatorship run by Ringo Starr, 
where the, the thing that he was making you do against your will was acknowledge that he is Ringo. And like, there's like little, um, like those TikTok filter. You don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm hoping this will help the audience. The TikTok filters. Can you? Can we please? <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> um, sorry, it was. It was too much rock. I was happy to listen to more Ringo. It's too much rock for my tiny little brain. Um, No, it's like the the TikTok filters where it puts like little hearts in the background of your video or whatever, but it's just on this video. So like there's stars flying at you constantly. There's like fucking instruments being thrown at you. Ringo star is on the screen every 2.5 seconds. And a whole spiral of Ringos will come at you and it'll make these weird geometric shapes that are really quite unsettling and then also on top of that there's like little peace signs in the background yeah and it's like it's like the clockwork orange ringo is peace ringo is love (laughs) shrek is ringo (laughs) shrek is life ringo is star so i really i I don't really have anything profound to say about this other than it's just it's hilarious and i want i'm eagerly anticipating the next ringo star album yeah, because he's an artistic genius. Uh, he's been he must have been just in hiding this whole time, so I imagine he's got a lot of material to show us. So uh we want to hear it, Ringo, if you're listening. Yeah, Ringo Starr, if you're listening, um we're your biggest fans and you need to put out more music and videos for the music. Thank we're, you. We're the biggest fans of your solo work for sure. I've showed this video to so many different people. Yeah, how many views does it have? Five hundred thousand? Probably at least ten of those are you showing it to me. So Yeah. Okay, so with that, I think we're going to call it. We just had to talk Ringo. It's really bad, you guys. <laughs> Go listen to it. Go listen to at least the first and last tracks. They're, they rock and roll. Yeah. All right, well, thank you, okay. everyone, for listening. Goodbye. We know his name, but you'll never know ours. Ours.